0: Welcome back Seahawks fans to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest podcast. I'm your host Nathan Sano, joined by... As always, but I almost messed this up. By the Gus Bradley to my Dan Quinn. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing?
1: Uh, I suddenly my hair just left me.
0: Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> and our very own Ken Norton Jr. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing? Back to the insults. I love it. <laughs>
1: um, I just
0: had to think of a, uh, another back. bald seat, another bald Seahawks defensive coordinator. Like, where else was I gonna go? Chris, Chris Rashard. Yeah, I mean, uh, clearly Pete has a type. That's yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's like, oh, I guess I could have gone to the new guy, Clint Hurt. That would have been good. All right, well, we have to start off by talking about the big game, the Super Bowl. So, Super Bowl, uh, number, number X, uh, V, L, X, I, I don't know what it was. I'm Henry, I actually don't know. I'm
1: Henry, the X, V, I, I, I am. Uh,
0: so, uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl happened in Los Angeles. Um, the the Los Angeles Rams emerged victorious 24 to 21 in the game. Uh, let's get your overall thoughts. Starting with Eric. Eric, overall what do you think of the the big game?
2: It was I mean, it the ending sucked.
0: Well, uh, we're, we're talking well, keep it to game specific stuff because we obviously have segments for the others. Okay,
2: game specific. It was a fine first half that I was hoping would lead into like this big crescendo. And that it just flubbed after halftime, in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That was yep. that's my immediate overall thought of the game.
0: Okay, and what what you what do you think, uh, Kevin, about the game, uh, about the uh, the game between the Bengals and the Rams?
1: I thought it was a really good summary of twenty twenty two in that uh, or twenty twenty one twenty twenty two season. In that neither team looked special. Um, it was a little bit flat and uh things other than the talent on the field just decided yeah. a lot of it
0: no no matter who won the, the losing team was gonna have a legitimate gripe against a huge call
1: yeah yeah I, no. I just felt like way to have a Super Bowl that summarized the season so well
0: like put if the Bengals pull it out well okay we're gonna be talking about that face mask touchdown and if well if the Rams pull it out then we're gonna be talking about this phantom hold like it didn't matter who won yep. it was it was bad for yeah it's a bad look for the NFL refs refs had a year this year um, and I'm okay. sure to will do something about that for next Time to season. Bring
2: in the sky judge.
0: I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk a little, uh, a little X's and O's here because I think that, uh, that's that's so, that's the thing. And I also rewatched the game on, uh, what's it? the fast version? <laughs> uh, I watched the fast version of the game afterwards because I wanted the to be able that's about to family talk X's and O's mostly because <laughs> I thought that what Cincinnati did seemed like something the Seahawks could do defensively. Um. I really liked the way that they mixed up their safeties and they they play they played like an idealized version. So the Rams came out and they wanted to do the Pete Carroll offense. They wanted to run and throw it deep, right? Yep. They really went. For, they were looking for deep shots and they were running. And the way that that Cincinnati kind of uh, contained that and attacked that was really really good. The, they ran into problems when the Rams stopped trying to bang their head against the wall and just decided, Hey, let's just look for Eli Apple on every play and throw at him. And what's funny is when Eli Apple was on Ben Skwarnik and Van Jefferson, it, it was, it didn't work, but Oh, they kept finding him, you know, he kept getting matched up with Cooper cup. And then that was the, that was a problem. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, um I thought that it was interesting. The, the, I thought the Rams did a good job um, shifting their game plan at the end of the game to kind of match with the, the Cincinnati was doing and Cincinnati didn't have that last counterpunch. Uh, they did get kind of hosed on a bad call, but, not, but nothing to say that the Rams might not have just scored on that fourth down anyway. Well, and Eli that Apple third and was... one
1: call, if they don't do like a, a, just a, a really vanilla run to Samaj Perine, Ryan, who's not their best inside runner. Like yeah, I no. felt like that was a, that was a great example of just trying to be uh, like two steps too clever because but, they're like, Oh, we'll bring in Perine because then it might look more like it's going to be a pass play. But it's like okay, but he's also worse at running, and also Joe Mixon can catch.
0: Yeah, and a Bengal, so Bengals offense on the field, like they they were con- they were doing a good job, like kind of containing Aaron Donald and limiting the damage, and they were doing it by just having like a guy just one on one him, right? And you know, oh, over the course of a sixty minute football game, no surprise that starts to break down a little bit. When you try to, when you try to take the best football player on earth, maybe the best football player position neutral ever, right? Three defensive players of the year is is a feat that I doubt many people will be repeating. And you take him and you you just eventually, yeah, your, your, your trash guards aren't going to be able to contain him anymore. And on the last play of the game with the seedings and on the line, he was one-on-one against a guard that was, he was far superior to. And at the end of the game, you know, like normally when guys say stuff like "I'm hey, going to retire after Quentin this game.
1: Spain, yeah, Akeem yeah. Adeniji, come on, I sorry, yeah, that's, that's been all I trash got
2: for a long time.
1: Also, Isaiah uh, Prince was getting whooped by um, Von Miller. That was that was yeah, also a problem. they were they were just getting whooped
0: by Von Miller. Period. He was just having a great game. Yeah, second but, half that was um, a big
1: adjustment by the defense. Yeah,
0: they but the um. Aaron Donald after the game when he said he was going to retire. Normally I just like think that's like talk, you know, like they just won. But like he's the way he said it, where he was like, This was the last checkbox that I needed to check off. Um, it really does feel like he he's more likely to retire than most would be considering his age and level of play, right? Yeah. Most guys playing at that level at that young of an age, they wouldn't actually retire, but he really does have very little left to prove. Eight all pros, three defensive player of the year awards. Like, this is the best defensive player of all time, or close to it. Um, cause, and I mean, he's just dominated his position to such a degree for so long. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he did walk away, or maybe he walked away for a couple years while the Rams were trash. Cause, cause that's the Rams are gonna have problems next year, right? They have, they're gonna have to hurt a little bit. And getting rid of Aaron Donald does it solved most of their cap problems and then they can just focus on like retooling the roster, but they might replace like five offensive linemen. You know, it's, it's a, it's a problem.
1: Yeah. Like, Cause what it'd be kind of surprising at this point, if Worth doesn't walk away on this note, like yeah. like, age, like age 40, what else is
0: he waiting for yeah, age 40. This feels like what he was holding out for. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah, I'm, I'm a I'm Aaron Donald watch that'd be great for the Seahawks if he walked away for sure. I mean I don't think the Rams will be as good as they were this year no matter what. Like they're kind of a fringy wild card team. Well, probably. you like the,
1: the uh, rumor that McVay is threatening to go to the booth. Yeah, I uh, I, I, don't I, don't don't buy, I don't buy I don't buy I don't buy that one. It's Good leverage though. It, I <laughs> mean
2: it's fun, but but I mean he he's, wants he's super young. He, why would he do it? He's the
0: youngest coach in the NFL, and the, he wants them to back up the money truck.
1: Right, and or he, he could just go should. be
0: John Madden they should back up the money truck. He's, he's legitimately extremely good. Yes. So, so yeah, they should, they should do that. But, um, I'm yeah, not I thought the, Ram- the Rams, the
2: Rams next year though, because if you look at the Super Bowl, like was this like an all time great team. No, it
0: was a, it was a very good team. It was the, the thing that I liked about the Rams did this year is they really knew that this was the last year of their window. Like the next year was going to be tough. They already had to get rid of a couple key secondary pieces going into this season. Right. And had to kind of retool around that. So now they're going into next season. They're going to have to get rid of a couple more key pieces, probably, and, and go cheap a couple more places. And so, uh, I think that was good that they they pushed all their chips in the middle. They said a lot of Jared players. Goff's the Jared Goff's the problem. Um, we're going to trade away Jared Goff and get Matt Stafford. And then we're going to, yeah, like anytime an opportunity arises where we can get a good player for cheap, we're going to do it. We don't care what the cost is. And they got Von Miller and they got Odell Beckham. they and Beckham to come. And those guys mattered. Odell Beckham was on his way to, uh, you know, MVP, MVP caliber performance in this game. And yeah, right. They talked him out of going to Green Bay. They brought him to
1: the to uh, L.A. instead. And do you think they just showed him the weather report for both places? And they were like, come on.
0: I, I think they really I, – I think they – I think what this is the rumor and I think I believe it, which is that they explained what his role would be on the team because he fits perfectly as their X receiver. Yes. Right? Like in their, in their D offense, their idealized version of their offense, they have three wide receivers on the field and they have one X on the top of the formation by himself. Uh, and that player is Odell Beckham. And Odell Beckham is basically the prototype for what they want that player to do. He's basically perfect for it. He, he's really good. At what they want. So then, on the other side of the field, you know, I kind of want Odell to go back to the Rams, just so you can see, like Odell. Okay, from like a football nerd perspective, I don't want him to go back from a Seahawks fan perspective because because <laughs> the brutality of having Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham, I think would be
1: that's that's
0: a nightmare. Yeah, please stop because, uh, because they're Cup all and per-
1: Woods are completely interchangeable, and Beckham could play and- any of those roles, but like he also just can win ISO routes. And- and
0: even to the like the way that they want to play with the guy in the slot and the and the X and then the guy on the outside, like those guys all fit the roles perfectly, right? Mm-hmm. C- Cups perfect. Uh, Woods is perfect for those those uh, j- jets. The jet action they like to do and all that stuff. And and of course, you know, Odell's perfect in the X role. So I I'm glad that it seems unlikely that they'll be able to keep Odell. Although if Aaron Donald leaves, maybe that becomes a, a little bit of a, a thing. Also, all you right. wonder
1: what the ACL, what his asking price is going to be.
0: Yeah, could be a little, could be a little, a little cheaper. Um, you never know. We could, we could use an X receiver. Seahawks. Maybe I we know. can, uh, maybe we can go get the Odell Beckham. I mean, it it would be nice to have him playing in the X and then DK in the uh Cooper Cup role and Tyler in the Robert Woods role on or DK. Dreaming. I mean, we we did jet action with the good wide receivers at the end of the year. There's maybe,
2: rumors of him coming here. I mean, it could happen, but it would. That's that's after the cuts. That's after all that. Yeah.
0: Um, okay. So you guys ready for t- to talk commercials? Sure. All right. I thought we were going to your...
2: harp on why they didn't use Joe Mixon more, but
0: no, we got to save go the... sale. I mean, I don't know. Joe Mixon's their best player. They should have used him more. I agree. Okay. Eric, mostly what, what was your number one commercial? What's your best commercial?
2: I mean, you knew that I was going to say that Mattel commercial with Barbie and he-man that was okay. some, uh, some real estate, uh, Listing commercial. I don't even know what it was for. I just enjoyed it immensely. Mm-hmm. And then I, uh, unlike other people, I enjoyed that Larry David commercial. Okay, because it was yeah, that Larry more David was good. career enthusiasm in a commercial, and it was it's pretty funny. You know, that was very funny. What hey. about you guys?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, of course. Uh, okay, uh, what was your worst commercial, Eric?
2: Ooh, hmm. so many. You know the the electric car commercials, one after another. Uh, Too they, many of them. Well, and also some of them were just, they didn't stand out. It was like, okay, no one cares. Um, I
0: liked, I liked the BMW one with, uh, with Arnold and uh, Salma Hayek. Yes. With, uh, Electric Avenue. Yeah. Was well, one, well,
2: they picked a great song to two people that uh, a lot of people like, and that car looks pretty dope. I think the one that followed it up was like, yawn. What is this? I didn't think it was a bad commercial year. People were saying this is a terrible commercial year.
0: I, I thought was, it was solid.
2: I was thoroughly in, you know, entertained.
0: All right. Kevin, what about you? Commercials hit me. What's your favorite?
1: This should have been a movie club. It's like a, this is like a bonus movie club. Um, I, unfortunately I don't pay attention to commercials that well. So I'm (sighs) sure there are a number of them that I missed. Um, one that I appreciated is the homage to, uh, office linebacker Terry Tate. And that Uh was the, uh, Gerard Mayo tackling everyone commercial. Um, I assume it was a mayonnaise based commercial. I'm not really sure. It was.
0: Okay. It was a man. In Pre- <laughs> one. It was, Phil- it was uh, when he hit uh, Pete Davidson at the end. I thought that was funny. Um, I like that one. Uh, what? Okay. I'll give you my top two. Oh, and then
1: uh, Idris Elba, like uh, dropping F-bombs and stuff. That was also delightful.
0: Okay. Yeah. I don't like know what that, that. commercial you, was for. Did, you have, a- did <laughs> you have a worse? Did you have a worse one? Worst one?
1: Uh, Eric, do you have a worst one? No, no Eric, Eric already said his.
0: I have one. That's the, a, the guy. Like one where the, Kevin don't, the one, don't know what the, the one or The one where the guy had this hand stuck in the Pringles can for his whole life.
2: Oh, you didn't like that one?
0: No, that's scary. I don't <laughs> remember that one. <laughs> that's my that's my nightmare, I found that dude. enjoyable though because it, it was funny. <laughs> it's goofy. Okay, uh, top two.
2: Oh, the Irish remember... Spring
1: one. That was weird. Oh, but Kevin you I actually remember of... what the product was because of that.
2: That was so good though. What
1: a what a great nod to
2: to a certain type of film.
1: All right, my, t- my,
2: t-
0: <laughs>
1: it was. my top two uh it was, do you think it was directed by uh, uh robert eggers <laughs> <laughs> uh Eug-
0: eugene levy and thrill driver was super funny to me okay uh oh I just yes I, I just thought it was funny that they tried to make eugene levy look like like fabio basically or like some kind of like super cool guy i don't know that just cracked me up and then the amazon one the really long amazon one with alexa and it had a. Scarlett Johansson and Colin Mm. Jost oh the read your mind one yeah and it was like (laughs) that was that was disturbing to my core uh that was that was um I was like this is where we're heading with this probably actually yeah so it was very uh oh there was a good Dr. Evil one too um that was okay uh, that one kind of bothered me a little
1: uh the Uber Uh, Eats one was pretty was kind of funny
0: yeah so all right there you go there's a there's our thoughts of um commercials okay um, now, wait, now let's get into Seahawks. The Seahawks announced their uh, coaching staff, 2022 coaching staff. So here we go. We're going to go through, and I'm just going to ask you guys to rate on a scale of one to ten how you feel about each of these guys, if you would like, or you can just give me like a general. <laughs> how you feeling? All right, you ready? You guys yeah. ready? Peter Clay Carroll, executive vice president and head football coach. Eric, what do you think? Let's go. On.
2: I'm gonna use the. I think we'll probably use different rating systems. Out of the five star rating system.
0: Oh, oh, I said one to ten. Now we're doing five stars. Okay, I'm ready. All right. I'm I'm changing. I'm cutting all my numbers in half.
2: I'm cut. I'm, and I'm not gonna give you halves. <laughs> I'll give this a four, only because okay. I don't want to to forget all the success we've had with Pete Carroll. And it's not like you know, there's all these amazing coaches growing on trees that we know about. And uh, as as bad as we we hated Super Bowl 49. The ending of that uh it wasn't quite as bad as the ending of the Bengals super bowl with zach taylor um where it, it just seemed like an even worse decision so i i don't want to uh get sick of winning and dismiss pete so yeah four stars baby yeah
0: i'm with you four stars uh, i think pete carroll really made uh some moves this off season with his defensive staff that made me think he might be uh he might be all right he might be doing better than uh than I thought, so I'm, I'm into it. I'm i I'm, I'm a fan. I thought, I thought, I think Pete has realized that he needs to change what he's doing on defense a little bit and the hires show that. And maybe we'll talk up, we'll talk about those hires in a little bit, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Pete Carroll. Kevin, what do you think? Uh,
1: Peter Clay Carroll is, uh, let, me, let me put it this way. um, When we're talking about him potentially being let go, the conversation immediately turns to who are you replacing him with? And oh man, it was not exciting. So I think that's something that I have to keep into consideration in this, was there's not a lot of head coaching candidates out there that I want more than Pete Carroll. So that puts him in above average for me. I do agree that I'm excited about some of the coaching staff changes, but what I need to see is, does he pay lip service to the change by hiring the guy, or does he make the change by letting them do what they can do? So I can't give him credit for making the changes yet until I see what next season looks like. So with that in mind, I'm giving Pete Carroll three out of five dad shoes. All right. uh, Clint,
0: Clint Hurt. I think um, we'll go in uh, reverse order. Kevin, go ahead. All right.
1: Clint Hurt is somebody who um, this type of hire is normally something I'm not super excited about, just kind of promoting from within. But the more I read about him, the more I was looking into him as part of the coaching search, the more excited I got about it. Um, I do like his background with the Bears. I do like his background as a college assistant because I think a Pete Carroll coaching staff does best when it has a teaching focus. The other thing is when you talk to guys like Cliff Averill, uh, he said in interviews that Clint Hurts, the kind of guy who will go out there and he'll give an opinion. He'll back it up. He'll explain himself. Uh, He's a man of very strong convictions as a coach and as a football mind. And one of my big criticisms with Ken Norton Jr. was that I felt like he was out there running the script that Pete made and was unable to make any alterations or improvements himself. I don't think that's Clint Hurt. I think Clint Hurt's a guy who has thoughts, has plans, has ideas about how to make a defense work. And it's going to be a little closer to like a Dan Quinn um, type situation. So I'm going to give... Five out of five beautiful shiny domes.
0: Man, I'm excited about Clint Hurt. I think they've really surrounded him with a lot of great uh like smart defensive talent as well, which should give him every chance to succeed. Um and I love having a defensive line focus coach. Uh I, I want I would love to see us generating uh at least more consistent quick pass rush. So yeah, I'm excited about Clint Hurt. I'm also right there with you five. Five five out of five. Eric, you with us? I'm going three out of five. Eric
2: why oh, do you why no. do you hate uh, Clint hurt because I need to be a little more realistic in my optimism I I'm like every this time of year and especially in the preseason I get excited look at our schedule yeah we're gonna blow this game but man we're gonna win all these games <laughs> we'll get how this season worked out for us I would love to agree with you guys and say yeah I think hurt's gonna be great he's gonna do his own thing remains to be seen cautiously optimistic three. Out of five
0: stars. All right. uh, Larry Izzo. uh, I'm going to say geek for all of us here because I think we're all going to agree. Since we have fired the Bad Schneider and brought in Larry Izzo, special teams has been a significant strength of this football team. And sure, we're spending a lot of money on punters and kickers, but that money is obviously not going to waste since this is a strength (laughs) of the football team. So uh, Izzo, five out of five. You guys with that? Yes.
1: Uh, yeah, as much as like, yeah, I, I want to see when we inevitably have to turn over our kicker. What's it look like? But I feel like our coverage units don't look lost, which was a really no. big problem. We're probably not going to talk much about the other
0: special teams coach, but there is an interesting name on here. So Tracy Smith is assistant special teams, but Will Tukuafu, the legend, is a quality control defense special teams coach, uh, just a kind of a QC coach in general. Are you guys excited to see Will back in the fold? Like the the classic fullback slash D lineman getting back with the team. Is it, you guys pumped about that? I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. What I, I heard
1: was that he was going to spend 5% of his time coaching running backs, 5% of his time coaching D line, and then 90% of his time just kicking it. And I, I'm a fan. And then,
0: and then Tracy Smith is like one of Tater's kids, right?
1: I think so. I think that was how they got him back.
0: Yeah. Um I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that he is. Uh yes. And we got him back. So we we have we have a uh, Tater's Tot. Tater's Tot is uh is back. Uh and Tater's back, right? Carl is the associate head coach. Yep. Um so and that so okay, Tater Tater and his Tot. That's those are Pete's accountability buddies, right? Accountability buddies, Supposedly, accountability friends. Yeah. Uh how do you feel about that? Do you feel about that that do, is that working? Is that a good situation or I don't know. I don't really know how to feel about
2: this it. This isn't NA. I I don't know how we can answer this because <laughs> how's it working? How's it working? Not good. We missed
1: the playoffs last year. Yeah. Not good. Okay. So um, the one thing I will say is that if Pete genuinely feels like that's people that he can lean on and get advice from, then I like that he's keeping someone around who can be in his ear. Uh, so that's the best thing I can say about it. I wish it was somebody he couldn't directly fire. That seems like a problem. But yeah, and then the fact that his other accountability buddy is someone whose diapers he once changed also seems problematic.
0: Wait, I don't think Tot is an accountability buddy, I think just Tater. Uh, no, Nate Carroll.
1: That's the only one he talked about being his accountability person. Nader, Nader, I just figured I'd throw that in there.
0: Okay, we can skip right to Nate Carroll then, he's on my list uh, of people that I wanted to rate. Uh, like, I don't understand why he has such a prominent position. Like, what has what has, I don't know what well, his Carol dad is. is Pete Carroll. That helps. <sighs> I, like it's, it's just, he doesn't even have a cool mullet. Like, like Belichick's kid. Like <laughs>
2: Belichick's kid is like, every time I see a picture of him, I'm like, how many DUIs does he have? How, how long until the DUIs are piling up? Well, that's, None. He just, now it's a how like, long.
0: You guys want to call my dad? That's all he says. And they're like, all right, go home, man. He's in Boston.
1: It's okay. (laughs) So Pete Carroll, so Nate Carroll's been with the team for 10 years. That's one of the Uh reasons why he uh, receives a certain level of, like, cred.
0: I mean, he was coached by Jim Harbaugh, like – I, there's some like pedigree to Nate Carroll. I just, I mean, obviously like coach, he has a coaching background. I mean, no one likes it's, it's big time nepotism. Like I, I work for <laughs> Kyle Shanahan. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's, maybe he's the goat. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Uh, we did end up hiring a new wide receivers coach uh, to, to, so Nate Carroll is no longer the wide receivers coach. He's now a senior offensive assistant.
1: He's the guy and in charge of like, making sure his dad doesn't run on the field. He's that guy. They get they gave him a super
0: generic position, yep. uh, like as opposed to him being the wide receivers coach. Sanjay Lowell is uh, back as the uh back with the Seahawks as a wide receivers coach. He was a senior offensive assistant two years ago with us. Left us to join Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, and now uh, rejoins the fold. This guy's been a wide receivers coach in the league for like
1: I don't know twelve years or something. Yeah, he, uh, his first his first year as a wide receiver coach was two thousand nine for the Raiders.
0: he's been he's been around this is he's obviously good at his job because he keeps getting hired as a wide receivers coach all over the place uh yeah he also has a connection
1: back to pete's usc staff he started off with the raiders under the lane kiffin era
0: oh there you go that's pretty cool um so then okay other guys i wanted to go over uh dave Canales is back as uh, a quarterbacks coach he was passing game coordinator for the last couple years is this my question for this one was is this a promotion or a demotion what do you think <laughs> going from passing and coordinator to quarterbacks coach? Is that a promotion or you know, a demotion?
2: I think it's a promotion only because you have the responsibility now. Like, Hey, just don't piss Russ off.
1: I was like, going to say your
2: one job. That's, that's a big job.
1: I kind of agree, but I don't think that but I'm not going to say it's a promotion. I'm going to say that's a we'd have fired you. But Russ said he kind of likes having you on staff. So <laughs> you're the quarterbacks coach. Your job is to uh, make Russ be happy.
2: Hey, uh, I don't like you, but there is one guy who does like you. So you better <laughs> make him happy.
1: Did you did you guys see who are
0: uh, who are our, um, our assistant quarterbacks coaches now?
1: No, I'm CFL
0: cfl legend carrie joseph has been wow his 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 (laughs) uh he was with us last year but as a uh like a assistant wide receivers coach they shifted him over now he's the uh assistant uh, quarterback but he played he played quarterback yeah gray cup champion dude 2007 gray cup like get get on Kerry joseph's level all right he's a he was a he led the Blue Bombers to victory in the Grey Cup over <laughs> the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So what I will so say hard. is a
1: lot of times if you're winning, if you're racking up numbers and winning at that kind of level, you probably are not a great arm talent. So you probably know how to play quarterback, man. <laughs> well, the thing about
0: the thing about CFL, and he won the MVP that year too uh, in 2007. The thing about the CFL is, is that like because of the rules, running quarterbacks that, that have questionable throwing skills can Freaking rule in the in the like he had that season, he had 4,000 passing yards and 750 rushing yards with 13 rushing touchdowns. Oh, maybe he'll be able 20, to
1: encourage Russ to run again.
0: Can that can be
2: in motion in CFL rules. Yep,
0: they can be in motion, forward motion. Uh, with moving forward motion while the balls so the, the snap snaps a big arm motion so that everyone can kind of get on the same page. It's very interesting. I CFL is actually kind of fun to watch if you ever get a chance. All right. Um, Andy Dickerson's been brought up to offensive line coach. How do you feel about that one, Kevin?
1: Uh, I Feeling thought good? it was pretty inevitable. Five stars. Uh, I'm going to go four out of five. Uh, afros. Um, he was brought yeah. over by Waldron. We kind of thought this was going to happen. I, uh, I feel like there was a bit of a. I think there was a little bit of a growing pain situation um, with the offensive line transitioning. If you look the first half of the season versus the back half of the season, the first half of the season, like Dwayne Brown had a lot of trouble. Um, A lot of our veterans kind of had trouble settling in. And I wonder how much of that had to do with Solari also kind of learning how to teach that system. So now having Dickerson kind of slide in, we have three free agents on the offensive line. It could be kind of his chance to put in the offensive line that Shane Waldron wants for the blocking scheme to match the offense. Another thing for me with Dickerson is Dickerson, um, the
0: Rams under his tutelage took a lot of mid round offensive linemen and turned them into quality starters. And so I think that it's a good choice to have him because that has not happened under Solari, in my opinion. Um, I feel able. like he take he takes guys and they are kind of are what they are and then they get injured. That's that's the Solari experience so far with me and watching him coach offensive line. So I'm pretty I'm actually pretty uh pretty jazzed about Andy Dickerson moving up. I think Solari's fine. He was an old hand. It was nice to have like but Cable Dickerson's took ready to take threes and turn in them
1: response. into ones. Solari took threes and turned them into threes. And maybe mm-hmm. Dickerson could take threes and turn them into fours. Yeah, <laughs> fours and fives, yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly. Um, all right, so Dickerson, we're we're all we're all in on him. We love I I here's the thing. Dickerson, I couldn't remember it uh much about his like previous coaching experience. So I went just went to the page and I remember. then I saw the picture of him and I was like, Oh, it's that guy. That guy rules. Because that guy just has cool hair. <laughs> he does. He has cool hair. Do you like Andy Dickerson's hair, Eric? Uh, Andy
2: Dickerson's hair is a five out of five. The coaching call, uh, I'm going with a three out of five again. Eric, why are you doing this? Because if we fired Solari because he was kind of in the way of Waldron's offense, that's fair. That means that we are basically running Waldron's offensive line. Not a bad thing, but with new people coming in, we like to assume that, Hey, new players, he gets to kind of have his own style. If he's having trouble in any way, if things aren't being understood, kind of like in a, in a cable way, um, there's some there's some friction there. That could go downhill really fast. We've already seen a coach running someone else's system uh, and having to take responsibility for it and how that works. So three out of five. Cautiously optimistic.
0: All right, All right. fair enough. Um, I do okay. like
2: the hire, though, for the
0: record. Um, other guys that have just been around for a while. Aaron Curry's back. Um, I like that we have Deshaun Shedd as the assistant DB's coach again. Oh,
1: dude, you're going to leave out two
0: big ones? No, I'm not working out. I'm just kind of like cover making sure everyone knows that I read all of these names. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: because I just Chad like Morten don't want to someone... run game coordinator job.
0: I don't really want people to tweet me later. Okay. So, Ch- so Chad Morton's did... assistant wide receiver coach. Chad Morton kind of moved. Uh, Chad Morton came, came over. He's getting the, um, he's moving from assistant special teams to run game coach. He, uh, he's taking over for dickerson i guess i mean that like i said that these are not promotions or demotions they're like side motions there's lateral I well, changes I, I mean chad morton kept his running backs coach job he just added run game coordinator to his uh, to his uh, thing chad morton's fine i thought the running backs i mean he can't he's not it's not his fault the running backs are always getting hurt. Like he's doing the best he can. Yeah, that's Ivan. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like like he's been the running backs coach since 2017. I think our running backs kind of generally perform really good when they're healthy, right? But just like just like Chad Morton, our um our running backs have career-ending injuries. Uh like woof. I mean, he did. He had a he tore his ACL and his career was over in yep. 2006. So. Uh but But uh, Chad Morton was a good special teams guy too. So it's, it's interesting. Like he started out as a special special teams coach, but then now is coaching running backs. It's been a nice journey for him. Okay. Um, so, okay. Got to talk about Carl Scott, right? Uh, Carl Scott is going to be our defensive pass, defensive passing game coordinator and defensive backs coach. Carl Scott was a coach for the uh, Minnesota Vikings last year. Uh, they were, their secondary was, um,
1: Yikes, yep. but we also agreed it improved as the year went on, which is a good sign. Yeah, but he
0: was the coach. He was defensive backs coach at Alabama, brought some very good defensive backs into the NFL. Uh he also was at tech and he's he's been a, a longtime college coach. Um he's only thirty six years old. He's very young. Um nice counterbalance to Pete. Like Pete's really old and he brought in a bunch of young coaches here. And I yeah. don't think it was to have people he could control. He knows that he needs some fresh ideas, right? Yeah, 43, you know?
1: 38, and 36 on the new defensive coaches. That's yeah. really young. Yeah, so Carl Carl Scott. What do you think about Carl Scott, Kevin? Um, So I think Carl Scott, the, the cool thing about him is he has worked with a lot of very influential defensive coaches. So he'd have been Zimmer in Minnesota and Nick Saban in Alabama, but he started his career out at a D2 school working under... Um, uh, Dave Aranda, who two cool things about that. Number one, uh, former defensive coach at LSU uh, under some really good defenses. And now he's uh, head coach at Baylor, who's um, putting together a really pro- good program again. And number two cool thing about Dave Aranda is that uh, he sounds like the cookie monster. So I highly <laughs> recommend that you listen to an interview with Dave Aranda. If you get a chance to do that, he has a great voice. Um and uh, so Carl Scott is a guy who's kind of been uh, like, I think Hurt, Desai, and Scott, what I like about all of them is you're looking at like Sabin defense, Aranda defense, Fangio defense. Um, and that makes me really excited because those are systems that are defending modern offenses. And that is something we've been lacking. So mm-hmm. uh, I am not sure how great of a defensive backs coach Carl Scott is, but I know that um, players have liked him at all of his stops. I know that he's coached under some very talented head coaches. I mean, it's like, and he's like, a you said Desai,
0: Desai, and Scott. like between them, like the, the secondary is going to be fine. Like it's, you would it's, think. Yeah. I mean, hmm. like, like Eddie Jackson gives Desai a ton of credit for his development in the NFL. And I think like, that's kind of it might be like a safeties corners thing, right? Like where Desai is working more with the safeties on a day to day basis and and um
1: uh Scott's more with the corners. Scott's more yeah. with
0: the corners and and it's kind of like that, and then and then they come to they all come together and put their heads together for the defensive game plan. But like yeah, it's uh like you said, they they picked a young group and a and a hungry group, and I I feel like it's I'm pretty excited because all these guys kind of had just one year at their last stop, right? So they all feel it feels like they all have something to approve right here, right? Like they all are coming in with with something that to to prove a little bit. Uh, Desai only got one year as a DC and uh Scott got one year as the secondary coach last year and then things kind of fell apart for them and now they're getting they're coming in and they're gonna be they're gonna be ready.
1: I think I mean, another everything. thing is um something to not underrate because we talked about uh how much we like oh. Donatelle as a pairing with Clint Hurt because he has that DC background. Um Desai has a DC background even though it was one year at play caller. Um, but another thing is like, we have a veteran defensive coordinator on staff, um, very longtime defensive play caller, uh, Pete Carroll. So he can definitely also, um, work with Clint hurt on kind of those game day things. Cause I know Sean Desai was, uh, Vic Fangio's like right-hand man at in Chicago on game day. So he really sat next to and worked with right right alongside one of the premier defensive coordinators and defensive head coaches in the NFL. And so with that background for him and then Pete Carroll on staff, I think there is a good support system in there for her on game day. All right. So Sean Desai was a
0: super hot name uh, throughout this offseason. He, um, he ends up being c- c- kind of brought in as our assistant head coach defense. So Eric, um, how excited were you about the Sean Desai hire?
2: You know, I'm good with it. Um, Seeing how... uh, Jake Heap
0: said it was no easy feat, Eric, to get him to come here. Why did he say that?
2: Yeah, that's... uh, Maybe... Um, I like this hire. I'm going to give it a a 4 out of 5. I like how we are having a different... uh, A break in coaching. And I feel like that will be a little easier for people to... I don't want to say point figures. I'll say take responsibility when things are going good. And bad um, or maybe not as not as good as we want it to be um, it will also have like we talked about before a fresh take for Pete Carroll and also a lot more people in the room they all can lean on each other more ideas uh, I like this a lot I'm going four out of five on it
0: I'm gonna read a Jake Heaps quote here and I think it, it's why I'm excited about the Desai hire and I think Carl Scott is a nice um, compliment to to it all too um, it says, heap said, number one, the autonomy in which the game plans and the overall coach coaching structure would work. Sean Desai wanted to not just be a member of the staff, but to have a say and to have a clear working relationship in terms of putting together game plans, how all that's coming, going to come together. He got the sure assurances he needed on that end. Very big. I don't know how he knows that. Oh, wait, he talked to Russell Wilson, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but I mean, if that's true, like if, if Sean Desai said, I'm only coming in if I have good, good you know, if I'm really involved with the game planning and I really want to be a big part of that, like, awesome. Like, that's good. I mean, we gotta, I think that those Fangio concepts will work good with the, with the personnel we currently have. And, um, it won't take a lot of additions for us in the draft to, um, to really make it work. And I, it's a great, it's a huge get for us. It's really, it was really, he was, had a lot of interest for DC jobs all over the league. And I'm guarantee there's a ton of teams that would have, hired him to the position that we hired him to, right? Just some kind of generic AHC slash secondary coach position. I agree. Right? Yeah. Like there's probably 32 teams in the league that would have been willing to do that. So for us to get him to be the team that scored him, it's a, it's a nice, it's a really nice hire. I'm very,
1: very, very happy about it. So uh, any more comments about this, Kevin, uh, before we move on? Yeah, one thing I thought you and I could talk about real quick because we keep making reference to the Vic Fangio scheme. And so just to give a quick kind of rundown of what that means. Okay. So uh, it means a lot more uh, going back to the 4-3 defense, which means we should have a lot less of dropping our defensive linemen into coverage, um, which we're all happy about. Uh, okay, so can we can
0: we go back even one step, though? Yeah. This this Fangio defense is like all over the NFL now. It was very pop. It's starting. It's very popular starting this year. So Brandon Staley is like the the big guy that everyone knows. Um, he's a linebackers coach with Fangio. He went to LA to be the DC. Now he's the head coach of the Chargers. Uh, the Packers have Joe Barry, who runs, who's a Fangio uh, acolyte. Um, and then Fa- Fangio's just been around for so long that he influences a number of guys, as we've seen. Um, and this defense multiple hires this offseason are straight up I'm trying to get Vic Fangio's defense the Donatel hire us hiring uh, Sean Desai like these are teams teams want to to uh to be running this defense. So so let's just like kind of start with that. This is the hot thing right now. Yes. And Pete Carroll being he's being proactive. He's trying to get on this. But if you know a lot about the Fangio defense, it's uh
1: it's Pete Carroll. It's Pete Carroll. not a huge difference from what Pete likes Pete. to do.
0: You're going to like, you care going to like this. So go ahead, uh, Kevin. I have a lot of, I have a lot of stuff on this actually that I was kind of saving for a, another day, but I,
1: we can go deeper I, on
0: it another day. I'm always happy to. Nah, um, I, I want to talk about it now. You're going to get me going. So all go right.
1: Ahead. So you're talking about a lot of two safety shells, um, yeah. which we're geared towards doing. And again, you're looking at those like cover two robber looks that we used with uh box safeties because the big thing is. You're looking at four three over and four three under scheme. So, so four down let's, linemen. Let's start with this. The safeties in a Fangio scheme
0: have to be good athletes. Yep. Because because he's gonna run. You're gonna run two high safeties. You're and you can't. You cannot get away with having your safeties play as close as Fangio wants them to the line of scrimmage, if they're not going to have the athleticism to to pursue that deep. um and also yeah they got to be able to while, turn and run. The run they have to be able to 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 have run responsibility but also be able to turn and run because some guy is run, is streaking up the field and so yeah you got to have good ath- good athletes athletes.
1: Um, athletes Yeah. so yeah that's that's fine uh, the other thing is you're not going to get a lot of blitz looks you're going to get a lot of pressures with 4 but what you might see is um like Strong side linebackers and uh, defensive ends might have very similar roles. You have um, defensive ends who can play inside of the offensive tackle and play like a hybrid um, DT slash D end look. All of this should feel very familiar. Yeah, so
0: like like um in a Fangio four three like the three tech is gonna be like almost over the tack over the tackle sometimes, and the uh the other side defensive end is gonna be like on the guard almost like they're gonna play way these way over fronts or under fronts, and just like have guys hanging out. But then the uh, other outside linebacker, like you said, like for us that's probably gonna be like Daryl 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 Taylor. Taylor, and it's gonna be like he's gonna be blitzing, like he's not gonna be he's gonna be coming on a lot of plays so what what you need is you need your you need your left de and your and your uh, outside linebacker to both be able to kind of drop into coverage and not embarrass themselves uh like like um like for Denver what they use is they use Bradley Chubb right yep. like Bradley Chubb Bradley Chubb doesn't embarrass himself as a coverage guy um he you'd want him to pass rush a lot because he's real good at it <laughs> but, but you don't have to and then of course von Miller is gonna pass rush 90. of the time, but you just want him in the 5% of the times he does drop back to not totally embarrass himself. And then you need that, that other defensive end to be able to stand up when he's inside, like not be able to just get mauled over by a guard. Yeah. He should be able to
1: like actually hold an edge in a run game.
0: Yeah. It's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of, it's interesting because it, it does allow you to mix your fronts without being, um, just kind of, uh, overcommitted to putting a bunch of
1: like exotic blitzes or, or stunts and stuff like that. You're, yeah. This isn't just, a Schwartz you, blitz package. This is um, what Pete Carroll likes, which is getting talented dudes and then letting them do stuff. Yeah. Getting guys isolated, like getting guys, you know,
0: one-on-one opportunities to, to work, you know, or, or Chubb's going to go just against a tackle or exactly. Or Von Miller's going to be just against the tackle, or you got uh, your, in, your inside guy, just one-on-one against a guard and hope that he can, really work that guy yeah because what
1: you'll end up with is like puna will be just one up on a guard and they have to decide can our guard handle getting bull rushed by puna ford or are we going to block with our tackle because everyone now has to slide as far as possible to the left all at once and so now all of a sudden um like their tight end is trying to block our blitzing uh linebacker and it's like that's not something you want
0: it does help a lot too if you have a guy like al woods on your roster who can just like fill up space and like take up space in the middle of the field because that guy that guy is going to do a lot of work if he can draw two blockers on every play and that's that kind of unlocks a lot of the defense so you need one of your you need one of your inside guys like this is why it worked in la so good a double team eater yeah they'd have like aaron getting double teamed on every play or put you know they've had they have a a number of big DTs they put next to Donald that you really want
1: is good. Uh,
0: A'shaun Robinson is a run stuffer. You really want to double those guys because they take up so much space.
1: And if you don't, you know, they get an arm on your running back it screws up your whole run play. Right. So also if they get any level of penetration, it literally takes like a second to run around him because he's just a massive amount of human, which throws off the timing of run plays. All right, so so that
0: so we talked a little bit about fronts. Do you have anything else you want to say about fronts before we move into the coverage uh, um,
1: stuff? Yeah, no, that's that's pretty much it. It's it's just a lot of um, getting pressure with four, which we all know is what a defense wants to do most of all, and uh, kind of a flexible use of your edge players, and so thinking about them more as edges than as strictly ends and linebackers.
0: Yeah. Well, so what do you think about the way that the, these teams, uh, these teams cover?
1: Um, so another thing that Pete loves, if you're a defensive back in the system, you have to be able to handle the run game. If we're going to bring in a slot corner, they have to be able to play the run like a linebacker. Um, your cornerbacks need to be able to do outside contain because the way that he- you might have a tight front in the middle to be able to stop them from doing up the gut runs. That means that your corners need to be able to come in and make a hit
0: you're saying something without saying something here and it's Fangio's favorite thing which is he wants every secondary player to be versatile yep he he does not want like a one trick pony like like a Ramsey's actually like a real big departure from kind of guys he usually has where where Ramsey but we saw it this year Ramsey played a lot more zone right yeah uh they 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 were willing to kind of say okay we're going to sacrifice the fact that you're the best one-on-one coverage guy on earth we're going to sacrifice a little bit to make you fit in our system a little bit because you'll still be awesome, right? And it still worked. But – but um because they were running the Fangio defenses here. But, man, he loves doing that. And, man, a guy like Jamal Adams in a system like this
1: – Yeah, uh, they can
0: really use the Swiss Army knife nature of him. Yeah, this is the perfect – it's kind of the perfect def- – One thing that I love about it overall is that uh, – Jamal Adams needs this kind of defense to be at his best. And right now, he's probably our most talented defensive player, but we're not really using him the way that he should. This defense should, and I'm not saying it will, but should be able to just get everything that you can out of it. Because, like you said, Kevin, we want to, the safeties need to help in the run game. These guys all need to be Swiss Army knives. Like this, this is just, it's so. So perfect. Um, yeah, because so yeah.
1: the thing is like, OK, so if we take a snap, Jordan Brooks can play robber role box safety to allow Jamal Adams to blitz. And that is something that like a Vic Fangio defense wants to do like that. That is a thing in that defense. Um, So, yeah, Jamal Adams might be up on the line basically playing strong side linebacker in a 4-3 over system, which turns him into a defensive end. And it's because um, the rest of the defense is swung over. So your weak side linebacker is actually playing over your three tech. And so Jordan Brooks is going to be playing weak side linebacker and dropping into coverage. And he's going to occupy like the box safety role other defenses would have. And he's enough of an athlete where he could do that. And so, yeah, a lot of that flexibility that we want, that's something this is designed to take advantage of. Um, It would make me really excited to see digs back. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see how we cover the slot corner role, because typically you're looking at four down linemen. A lot of times you get three linebackers, but they've done a lot of two linebacker sets. (laughs) And the thing is, is
0: like this also leverages Brooks and Wagner in the best possible way because the thing a Fangio defense will do is they'll play five one boxes where like it looks run, it looks light, it looks like a light box. So a lot of teams will see it and they'll they'll either audible into a run or they'll call run plays into it. But if you have if you have the the horses to do this five one box with in the Fangio style, like it's it looks like a light box, but it's a trap. Like it's it's, it's a total trap because if you fit, if you fit up nicely, like these guys are going to just, we're going to eat, we're going to eat people's
1: lunches with this. It's, it's, it's super interesting because it will be all about taking on their blockers at the point of attack and then just letting Brooks or Wagner sift the ball. And both Mm -hmm. of them are excellent at sifting to the ball and making stops in the run game.
0: Yep. Hmm. I'm, and you'll see a lot of safeties coming up to take away crossers, which is something that just killed us last year. It's, it's a key concept to have a guy, um, you know, just come up and, and beat up crossers. And I don't, I don't, I'm very excited about the potential of the, the Fangio defense. Yeah. If, you if we re-sign it.
1: Rasheem Green, he's a great fit in the system. Uh, Darrell Taylor, Darrell Taylor has a really good fit. Uh, Alden Robinson uh, makes a lot of sense as a pass rusher in the system. Like we've got a lot of dudes on roster that make a lot of sense in the system. Carrie Hyder with his inside outside flexibility playing like a, um, what is it? Uh, The playing the inline defensive end role. Uh, makes a lot Hider's of sense on this team i'm saying if he does that that's a role that he fills well i don't know if he will for sure um yeah. i think we can get a lot of guys that'll fill that role but i think both dunlap and hyder would be good in that role
0: so the thing about Vic fangio's defense is you have to have um especially at safety in the especially in the middle of the field you have to have horses mm-hmm. you can't you can't get away with like mediocre talent so if we are real serious about running this defense, we already have the we already have Jamal Adams and we already have the linebackers. Um, we do need to bring back Quandre probably, and we need to make sure our defensive tackles are either resigned or or we need to expand there, right? We need, and I mean that literally, <laughs> <laughs> like we need a big big dude like Al Woods.
1: We need a big big washing guy. Machine. We need Eric's washing machine with arms. Yes. Yeah, my man. It's so it's so. so yeah.
2: when, when we get one, it's always like ah, oh, there he is.
1: I'm, that's
0: my that's my uh that's my thought on that it's like you got to be strong up the middle i think we could get away with slightly lesser cornerbacks as long as they tackle good you know and it seems like that's the kind of guys we have right now to yep. be honest with you is good tacklers i don't know how trey brown's going to tackle in the nfl level he's small and he hasn't had a bunch of time to show us that so that could be a, pr- a potential but he's uh, fearless and you
1: know he's going to hit i just we just he's don't gonna, know how well
0: he's going to tackle he's going to try for sure um so yeah uh that's it, and uh, yeah, if you search about Vic Fangio's defense, I mean, there's lots of information out there about it. That's really great, um, real interesting, and uh, yeah, if if it's the system we're gonna kind of hybrid in with the the Pete system, I think it's a good one to do it, and uh, it will take away some of those crossers and some of the stuff that just kind of destroyed us over and over last year.
1: Yeah, it's a logical step to modernize Pete Carroll's basic install, which I think might be why he's so willing to kind of invest in this, is because the tenants of this style of defense make sense to a guy like Beat. Absolutely. 100%. All right.
0: Um, that's it. I think that's it. That's a, uh, I got through
1: the, the cliff notes version of most of my stuff there. We'll um, definitely be revisiting throughout the off season, you know, especially we'll as we make
0: it, moves. Exactly. As the talent comes in, we can see how it fits in that. And when it, the talent will hopefully point us in the direction of what the Seahawks are trying, are thinking they're going to do. Right. Um, that's it. And um, oh, I just said we never said Shane Waldron, right? I and I guess I'll just throw this in. This is a little tidbit for later, maybe. I thought that, that what we saw at the end of the season was kind of a hint of what the Shane Waldron offense finally coming together. Like the Shane, this is what it's supposed to look like, guys. Everyone's healthy. It looks real good. That last game against Arizona, they're trying to win. They want to win bad, and we just stomped on their faces. So yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So bad that Kyler Murray
2: now will never play. For the Cardinals ever again.
1: Kyler Murray was crying to his girlfriend in his locker on his phone. Oh, this, oh my gosh, this that these Kyler these Kyler Murray stories are so <laughs> ridiculous. It's the but worst. I, I, uh, I did
0: put I did put him on the trade block in Dan, Dynasty because I thought it'd be funny. I was like, oh, you know what? These Kyler stories are ridiculous. I'll put him on the trade block in Dynasty. See what people say. <laughs> I got two messages about. He's I got two messages about golf, it. Instant. It's been instantly. Consumed. <laughs> All right. Let's uh there are many ways to support the CX podcast. The best way to do so, head over to punthub.us and for click anywhere on your screen for as little as a dollar twenty-four a month, uh, gain access to the Discord. Come hang out with the guys, say hello. Uh we had a good time during the Super Bowl, I felt like. Uh it was funny. At the end of the first quarter, I was like, You guys are watching the Super Bowl right now? Like because I actually was not watching it at that time. I was playing video games with my son. Uh that's why I had to rewatch it. Because I didn't watch I've kind of just forgot that it was happening i definitely
1: um, remembered because after i finished making dip i was playing my nintendo switch while it was on <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> which might be why i
0: missed so many of the commercials yeah i was just like not paying close attention all right uh so thanks to all our supporters though long new and old uh, andy brett do it all for the tucci flock to miss greta james Jos, carrie i don't know if i'm saying that name right by the way you could correct me on the discord i know you're in there ryan timothy tom emmanuel astro blake of Blake of Washington Fist Quest, the man, the myth, the legend. Check out his YouTube show. Uh, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Leon, Michael, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Werewolf, Brandon, Nick, and everyone else who supports the show. Thanks you guys. Okay. Um, movie club today. We did uh, a movie that came out in
1: 2021. A uh, pretty fun movie. A we slight did no preview but. of an upcoming best of 2021 that we'll be doing in the next few weeks.
0: No, nobody. Uh, nobody starring Bob Odenkirk, uh, Christopher Lloyd. Um, there is others. There is the, the, RZA, the RZA is in this movie. Michael Ironside uh, is Michael still Ironside. alive. Yeah. I yeah, Michael Ironside. I say Michael Ironside in this movie. He does a good okay. job of existing. Eric, I yeah. feel like I went to you last too many times, so I'm going to give you the floor to open. What did you think? You so, you watched it this week, right?
2: Uh, week uh, Last weekend, the week before the okay. Super Bowl.
0: Nice. So what did you think of Nobody?
2: I like no, uh, Nobody quite a bit. Now, it starts Bob Odenkirk, who, if you're me, you remember from HBO comedy, like uh, The okay. Larry Sanders <laughs> Mr. Show. Mr. Show. Mr. Show. I, I watched a lot of Mr. Show this last summer because I had HBO Go. I Very love funny. Bob Odenkirk. He's like one of the funniest guys out there. Um, their, their show on Netflix uh, with Bob and David is uh, still really funny. Um, I like this movie, and I like that Bob Odenkirk got a chance to just be I don't know, like a badass version of himself, like not super intentionally funny, but just a likable guy, a regular guy. I thought he pulled off the regular guy very well in this John Wick-esque role. Uh, there was a lot of things I liked about it. A lot of, um, you know, the movie is obviously very derivative. It's like John Wick has created this, this kind of uh, like archetype that people, people not people quality, called it. impotence.
0: I've heard it called impotence thriller.
2: I think that's awful. I think that's action
0: movies for guys. Whose whole thing is if I beat up enough people, my son will finally call me dad and my wife will fuck me again. (laughs) You don't like that. Uh, That's fun. That's a,
1: that's a great, I mean, I guess um, (laughs) that's, that kind of fits this movie, but I I think that's funny, but I think that's definitely a derivative review of something you're calling derivative. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. This
0: is a, someone else called this uncut dad rock. Do you like that better? (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> I think those are just trying to be kitschy and funny. I thought this was uh, John Wick not as good. Um, okay. But That's also, uh, it was a little smarter. It's it's funny, though, like with the villain in John Wick, there was, you know, like this... It was almost like opposite John Wick. So, like, the, the Russian gangster's son does something bad to John Wick. And this movie, John Wick, uh, nobody, does something bad to the the Russian guy's son, and it's it plays out differently yet similarly the same. You know, it's it hits the same notes from a different angle. I agree. It's that's a great way of
0: putting it, Kevin. It's, Liam Neeson and Taken, uh, Bob Odenkirk and Nobody, John, Keanu Reeves and John Wick. These are all like they're they're you know it's like it's, it's punk rock. Like this is a this is a genre now. Um, old guys beating people up. This is a this is a genre now. Uh
1: yeah, it's I, a little bit like the dragged out of retirement guy.
2: Yeah. And I, the, the who you'd never like there's nothing to say about this guy, but we'll wait. I can't I mean what I'm finding out is he's the most dangerous person that ever is.
1: Okay, so that's my thing. Um and, I would like to say wait.
0: Can I say this real quick? Okay. though? in nineteen in nineteen eighty seven we had Danny Glover saying he was too old for this shit. In twenty twenty-one, we have these guys just like going on these insane murder rampages instead. Like when Danny Glover was 38, we've really progressed as a society. I was saying as a society, we, we have really realized that HGH can make things different for guys in their fifties. Anyway,
1: we could all thank major league baseball for this.
2: Hey, they all have great heads of hair. So that
0: that wraps it up.
1: Go ahead, Kevin. What were you going to say? So the two things are, so Derek Kolstad, the writer of this movie and the writer of the John wick movies. um, I feel like he does an excellent job of establishing his first act quickly. Um, every character in this movie is established without basically having to break stride, and I think that's really cool. Like the opening montage, kind of gives you the everyman aspect of Bob Odenkirk, and then you get the moments leading up to when he goes into the tattoo parlor, and the dude catches a glimpse of the tattoo, and then like proceeds to like bow out. And like you hear like nine locks on the door.
2: That might and... be my favorite part in the movie, Kevin. <laughs> I it was like <laughs> oh, okay. thank you
1: for your
0: service.
2: And he <laughs> says it so <laughs> like so humbly.
0: <laughs> it's it's definitely them trying to do the John Wick thing where where uh, he's like, oh, he stole John Wick's car, and the guy just goes, oh, yeah. It was the, it was their version of that.
1: What did he say? Enough. Um. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's the same writer, and I think that's a stylistic choice that he has that I really enjoy. Um, I thought it was funny how he would start monologuing and the person he was monologuing to would die. I thought that was a a great little, like, ode to nobody listening to dad's stories. Um, And then the other thing is uh, uh, Ilya uh, Nashuler, whose name I just probably butchered. um, He's also the director for Hardcore Henry, and this dude shoots action shots really well. Um, The action choreography in this, when you're working around... Um, You know, uh, Christopher Lloyd's very old. Uh, Bob the Odenkirk cinema- is not an action person, and they did a good job of shooting in a way that worked.
0: The cinematographer in this movie is extremely good. Um, I'm just going to throw that out there. It's yes. the same guy who did the cinematography for Hereditary and Yeah, like, This guy, oh, okay. this guy, this guy is good. And like I think it definitely showed in this movie. Like, like Kevin said, they're framing up the scenes nice. Their use of lighting is really cool and interesting. Um, just just yeah, it's it's well, it's really well made like no one who watches this should think it's poorly made.
2: Yeah. I so, don't think you can walk away saying, man, that movie sucked." That, that movie was just dumb. It was a bad John wick. Like if you want to be negative, sure. I thought it was just like, yeah, I was entertained and it was derivative and I expected that.
1: Well, the other right. thing is like a lot of generic dad movies know that you're going to go see it because you know, you just want to see Bruce Willis, like make a finger gun or whatever generic dad movie you chose to make to watch. Um, <laughs> This movie, actually, from a movie-making perspective, like Nathan was saying, um, they made a good movie. The good movie genre happened to be dad movie. Yeah, fair.
0: 100%. I liked this review that I saw in Letterboxd. It said, in the middle of the movie, my dad leaned over and whispered, this is my Black Panther. (laughs) Okay, um, oh, no. I like this that's movie a the lot.
1: Funniest version of the types of reviews it, you've been doing.
0: It does. It does feel like. Um, it does feel a little bit like store brand John Wick. I'm not gonna lie. Like it did. It's. I think it quite, knows
1: that though, and that's part of what, what I can. Quite as
0: good as as John Wick, and the the way it feels the most like store brand John Wick is the music. I did not like the way the music in a lot of scenes either distracted or detracted from what was going on for me. And so, um, and I don't know, I don't know who did, I don't know who's the, is is Zariza did the music in this or is he just in the movie? I think he's
2: just in the movie.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't like, apparently it was David Buckley. I did not like his, uh, his score, you know? So that, that's, that's my, that's my big criticism of the movie. I thought it was uh, the sound that I felt like a lot of times, like, I was like, why is this, this sound does not, fit what it's going on very well. Whereas like when you watch John Wick, it's like the music is like, pu- like pumping you up, you know, it, like totally oh, yeah. goes with what's going on. And like, there's like a theme for, I actually scene. really like
1: the soundtrack of that movie, of the movie. I, I thought of it nobody? fit it really well of, of nobody. I think of, the soundtrack fit of the movie really well.
0: I'm not talking about the soundtrack. I'm talking about the score.
1: Like, uh, like the, okay. Uh, the score was pretty forgettable for me. So I think that probably is a, a point in your favor. Um, I don't even remember any
0: of the like the soundtrack songs in the movie. Um, like the the like licensed music was in the movie. Oh, was I definitely like the house. I definitely like the house being
1: uh, there burned heart, down. To, was our
0: Heartbreaker by Pat Benatar was in this movie? There I was made. a number of
1: them, but the, I really like the house being burned down to What a Wonderful World on a uh, vinyl. That was that was a, a quality choice.
0: Okay. Um, but no, like the score I'm talking is what I meant. Like the that's what I was talking about. So, yeah, the score was bothering me in, at times in the movie, especially at the end. So
2: there you See, go. And I, that's my- I wasn't I wasn't bothered. I was more like Kevin. Like, yeah, I just kind of forgot about it.
0: OK, that's fair. Um, And then, anyway, three and a half out of five. I like it. It's good. <laughs> go watch it.
1: Yeah, it was very um, enjoyable. I give it a four because uh, I just have a really low bar for very much enjoying these kinds of movies.
0: It seems like they're going to make another one or make a crossover movie. Um, or just make more weird movies in this universe. So, well, so, okay, there's, there's already like the after credit scene, right? Yeah. Um, that, that hints heavily at a sequel. Um, different studios, uh, made the movies. So that's a problem. A potential problem. Uh, Colstad has said he, he has written a sequel. It's not greenlit yet. And, uh, that, these, and he's confirmed that these movies do take place in the same universe, that John Wick and Nobody are um, in the in the same, you know, it's... I and
1: know we just it's have to wait it. for these two uh, said, to never... I mean, he literally merge. he
0: literally said it wasn't... It's not. He's not establishing a cinematic universe. It's just Easter eggs that confirms they're in the same world. But it's like, bro, that's what a cinematic universe is. So well, it's like, going to be like that. <laughs> that I can't wait Collier for Star- Sam Jackson
1: to come out in the next Nobody movie and recruit everyone to well, the... He'll have, have his own, own Nobody movie. Uh, yeah. nobody movie. It's like that scene um, in
2: Collateral where Jason Statham, like, you know, gives Tom Cruise's character something like they're not in the same universe. as the transporter, but it was kind of cool to be like, ooh, he just transported that briefcase to Tom Cruise. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, <laughs> if you like action movies, you'll like this movie. That's my review. Like, it's that's a good action movie. Yeah. Um, and Bob Odenkirk's awesome. So that makes it more more fun, even with. Uh, yeah, that's it. But do we all agree that this would be like the worst John Wick movie? Or do you guys think it's better than John Wick? I, I think it'd be the worst John
2: Wick movie.
0: I think it's right Kevin. about there with John Wick 3. Oh, man. John Wick 3 is so sweet. It just has some Mostly. parts of the drag. Do you know what I like about John Wick 3? The dogs. Mark, Daca- Mark Dacascos.
1: <laughs>
0: Everything Mark Dacascos is doing in, in John Wick 3 is like so up my alley. And also the fact that it's John or Mark DeCascos. Freaking Jimmy Lee from the Double Dragon movie is like <laughs> I don't even know how to deal with that. I love it so much. It's so, delightful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want I um, from Double Dragon John, to
2: Iron Chef to John Wick. What see, a
0: move! The difference between Nobody and John Wick Three for me is basically just Mark Dacascos. It's like that that pushed it up a half star for me. That's uh, up to four. You know, that's R- all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> all, all it takes is a little Dacascos. So for Eric, for Kevin, we'll see you next week. Uh, go Hawks.